this morning we are going uh, to go ahead and wrap up a series that we began last Sunday entitled Why. And if you uh, have downloaded the sermon notes or if you've went to YouVersion Bible app, you can also download the sermon notes and you can follow along with us. And so our first point, which is really the meat of what we're talking about, is if God is good and if God loves us and if God is with us, then why? Right? Why? Why all the evil? Why all the heartache? Why all the heartbreak? Look at what we wrote down there. We just kind of wrapped up everything. If God is good, if God is love, if God is with us, then why? Why all the sickness? Why all the disease? Why all the death? Why all the evil, the murder, the rape, and the abuse? Why all the poverty, the lack, and starvation that's happening in our world? Why all the pandemics, the epidemics, and the natural disasters? I understand that right now we're facing a crisis in our nation, and everybody is focused in on the, on the tragedy and the challenge of the, of the COVID-19 virus. But the reality is, is our world is filled with all kind of horrible things, not just in a pandemic, but every day in America and every day around the world, there is sickness and there is disease. There is chaos and there is pain. There is heartache and there is heartbreak, and people are continually suffering evil and setbacks in their life. So this series is all about answering that question. Why? If God is good, then why? If God is love, then why? If God is for us, then why are all these things happening to us? And so last Sunday, we kind of just started trying to boil that question down to what we want to just call four uh, foundational truths. Four truths that I really believe uh, bring some clarity. Now let me just be honest with you. I, I don't think or dare to think that one sermon series can really answer all these questions. There's a lot of questions here. And that's a pretty big old question. That one little word, why, wraps up a lot of context as you think about that question. But so I understand, we can't answer every question, but what I do believe we can do and what my heart and my prayer is through this series is I believe that we can bring clarity to the confusion. And I really believe that my job, part of my job as a pastor and a spiritual leader, not only in this church and this community, but I believe as pastors around the nation, I believe that our job as spiritual leaders is to bring clarity to confusion, to help people see a little more clearly. And here's what I believe the goal is. The goal is not just to have greater clarity about what's happening around us, but to have greater clarity about the God that reigns and rules above us. Because I believe it's our ability to see God clearly that helps us navigate the crisis and the chaos and the confusion that comes into our world. And your picture of God, your image of God, your understanding of God is going to be key to how you navigate through this crisis, but not just this crisis. How many of you know this storm is going to end? But on the other side of COVID-19, you're going to face some personal storms. There's going to be death, there's going to be loss, there's going to be financial setbacks, there's going to be grief, there's going to be divorce, there's going to be pain. And the reality is, is your image and understanding of God is going to determine how you navigate through those waters. And so my prayer is that through this series, we can get four foundational truths that we can kind of stand upon that will clear the muddy waters and give us a little clarity to navigate through the things that we're dealing with every single day. Judges chapter 6 is our foundational scripture. It's the story of Gideon. And Gideon has been visited by an angel of the Lord. The angel calls Gideon this mighty man of valor, a mighty hero, one translation says. And Gideon responds to the angel in verse 13. And sir, Gideon replies, he says, if the Lord is with us, 
then why has all this happened to us? If God's with us, then why has all this happened to us? So let's look at our first foundational truth that we laid down last Sunday. The first foundational truth is simply this. God is good, and he is at war with evil, and he has already fought for you. God is good, he is at war with evil, and he has already fought for you. And if you don't grab hold of this first foundational truth, you're going to struggle. And not only are you going to struggle, you're going to, be in really, you're going to be really in trouble. And let me tell you why. Because if you don't believe that God is good, the Bible actually says God is the source of every good and every perfect gift. The book of James tells us that. God is good and he is the source of every good and every perfect gift. If you don't believe that God is good and that he is at war with evil, then guess what will happen? The next time you suffer pain, setback, heartache, or heartbreak, you'll be tempted to blame God. And if you're blaming God for your pain, then you won't run to God for the solution. And the reality is, is one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is that Satan tries to get us to blame God for our pain so that we turn away from God in pursuit of a solution. And I don't know how long you've lived your life. I'm 48 years young, getting younger every day. Come on, somebody. And here's what I've learned in 48 years of life. I've learned that in 48 years of life, there are challenges, there are difficulties, and there are hardships. And there are a lot of things that I've seen people turn to. I've seen people turn to drugs and alcohol. I've seen people turn to sex and power. I've seen people turn to money and prestige. And this is what I can tell you out of my 48 years of short life. I can tell you none of it satisfies. And none of it heals the hurt. And none of it takes the pain away. The world only offers pain killers, but only God, hear me, only God can heal our hurt. And so if you don't believe that God is good and that he is at war with evil and he's already fought for you, then you'll spend the rest of your life looking into the world for a solution that only God has. And so that first foundational truth comes down to that simple truth. God is good. He is at war with evil. And he's already fought for our lives. The second foundational truth is where we want to move on to today. The second foundational truth is simply this. We live in a fallen world cursed by sin. And the curse of sin brings decay and death to everything and everyone. You want to know why? Why is there pain? Why is there heartache? Why do bad things happen to good people? Let me tell you why. Because number one, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that has fallen because of sin and rebellion against God. And now the curse of sin, hear me, the curse of sin affects everybody and everything. When you go back to Genesis chapter 3, we don't have time to read it this morning, but if you read the story of original sin when it entered into the world, and the curse of sin came on the world, God's responded to Adam and Eve's disobedience, and a curse was pronounced over the earth. Everything was cursed. The animals were cursed. Humans were cursed. Relationships were cursed. And the earth itself and everything connected to it came under the curse of sin. In the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us this, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This second foundational truth is critical. You want to know why there's so much pain? If God's good, why is there pain and sorrow? If God is good, why is there heartache and heartbreak? If God is good, why is there death and disease? I believe with all my heart today that COVID-19 is the curse of sin. It's not the will of God. It's not the plan of God. It's 
It's not the judgment of God. It is the curse of sin on our earth because of rebellion and because of death and decay that was brought upon humanity because of original sin in the Garden of Eden. And the wages of sin is death. And so we battle the curse of sin every day. Now let me give you some good news. Let me, let me just do a little teaching for just a second. Jesus, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is what happens to those who rebel against God. And in the Old Testament, we see the curse of the law because God punished sinners for their sin. And if you read the Old Testament, you're going to find out God punished sinners for their sin. And he was very clear and he was very powerful. And God used all kind of things to punish sinners for their sin. Why? Because that's what happens under the curse of the law. If you can't obey all the law, the Bible says you're guilty of the, breaking the law. And then the curse of the law comes on you. So Jesus has redeemed us because the Bible says he became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law. So no longer is the punishment of God and the wrath of God being poured out upon us as sinners. Jesus bore that, and we made this statement last week, that if Jesus bore the punishment and penalty for our sin, then God would be unjust to judge us for what Jesus has already paid for. Now there's going to be a final judgment. And for those that reject the sacrifice of God's Son and the payment that He made on the cross for the penalty of our sin will one day be judged and they will bear the blunt of their sin if they reject the sacrifice of Jesus. But Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is the book of Romans chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 8 talks about that not only has Jesus freed us from the curse of the law, but Jesus has freed us, I want you to hear me, from the power of sin. The Bible says this, we're no longer slaves of sin. We are the sons and daughters of God. Right? I now have the power and authority through Jesus Christ. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. In the world. And I now have the power and authority through Jesus Christ to live in victory over sin. I don't have to live in sin. I don't have to waller in sin. I don't have to follow after the pattern of sin. I can rise up. I can live righteous and holy and godly and good in this present world. Come on, somebody. I can live a victorious life for Christ. I can be righteous and holy. I can do the right thing and the good thing and the God thing and the glorious thing on a consistent basis. Why? Because my God has freed me from the power of sin and given me the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in victory over sin. And so Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus has delivered us from the power of sin, but the curse of sin still affects us. Our cars still break down. Our washing machines still wear out. We still battle sickness and disease. We still have to take precautions against COVID-19. We still have to be wise. We have to be alert. We have to be attentive. We have to be aware. Why? Because even though we're free from the curse of the law, even though we're free from the power of sin, there is still a curse of sin that brings death and decay on everything and everyone. The reality of science Scientists have proven that from the moment we're born, we begin to die a natural death. Why? That's the curse of sin. Now look at Romans 8 because Romans 8 gives us an amazing insight into this big picture of what happened through the curse of sin. Verse 19, the Bible says this, For all creation is waiting eagerly, all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who His children really are. And against its will, 
all creation, all creation, the heavens and the earth, and every person in it, all creation was subjected to God's curse, literally the curse of sin that was pronounced on the world. But with eager hope, look what the Bible says, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. So listen to what Paul says. Paul says that all of creation is groaning and travailing under that curse of sin, waiting for the day that the Bible says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth wherein will dwell righteousness. And Revelation 22 says, and there will be no curse. The curse of sin will be broken, and we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. And the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says literally that the heavens and the earth groan and travail, waiting for that day. And then he says, but not only does creation groan and travail, he says, but we do too. Look what he says. I want to read that last verse again. He says, but we do too. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Paul says even though we've got the Holy Spirit, even though the greater one lives in us, even though we've been set free from the curse of the law and the power of sin, the curse of sin still affects our lives, and we still deal with the sin, the curse of sin, and the suffering that it brings into our lives. And look what he says. I love this verse. He says, and we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights. Let me just tell you something. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I'm so glad we've been redeemed and we've been rescued and I'm so glad we can have victory on planet earth but let me tell you something earth does not compare to what God has in store for us there's coming a day when our full rights and our full privileges as believers in Jesus Christ will be granted and look what Paul says that includes look what he says there our full rights as adopted children will be given to us including new bodies that he has promised us one day a new heaven and a new earth and the Bible says we're going to have new bodies I'm going to have a glorified body amen Corruption is going to put on incorruptions. Mortality is going to put on immortality. The flesh is going to be swallowed up by the fullness of the Spirit. And I'm going to have a glorified body where I can live forever without sin, without shame, without suffering. And what a day that will be. Amen? What a day that will be. Now, I don't believe, hear me, I don't believe, I don't believe that means that we sit back and wait till we get to heaven. I believe that means that we press more fervently, that we live more passionately, that we give more sacrificially than ever before because the Apostle Paul summed it up like this. He said, if we live, we live for Christ, and if we die, it is gain. Guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't lose. You can't lose. If you live, Christ is glorified. If you die, you step into a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness with a glorified body. But until then, until then, we have to deal with the curse of sin that still brings suffering and sorrow. You want to know why bad things happen to good people? It's called the curse of sin. You want to know why a good person driving down the road 
can have something mechanically go wrong with their car and they can have a tragic accident and die in the prime of their life. It's called the curse of sin. You want to know why disease and devastation and COVID-19 sweeps across our nation and every day we're tracking on the news as that number is changing literally moment by moment, hour by hour. You want to know why that's happening? It's called the curse of sin that brings death. But praise God, there is a victorious king. Amen. And we are children of the Most High God. You want to know why? It's called the curse of sin. Look at the, the third point I want you to see. It's our third foundational truth. Is not only, not only is there a curse of sin that governs our world, but look at this third foundational truth. We sin. <laughs> so there's a curse of sin that brings sin and death, but there's also the reality that we sin and our sinful choices have negative repercussions. We implode and we explode. And I put, remember, God doesn't allow evil. He allows people to make choices. And let me just precedence that last statement for a second. God doesn't allow evil. He allows people to make choices. Let me just clarify something. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God is all-powerful and that God is all-knowing. And I understand that if you believe that God is all-powerful and God is all-knowing, then everything comes under the umbrella of the sovereignty of God. No doubt about that. But this is what I don't believe. I don't believe God is an accomplice to evil. I don't believe that God is the initiator of evil. I don't believe that God is behind the evil. No, God allows people to make choices. And you want to know why bad things happen even though God is good? Well, number one, we live in a world cursed by sin. Number two, we still sin. We sin. We make choices that are in direct rebellion to the will and plan of God. And not only do we sin still even as Christians, but the world is full of sinners that have no desire to please God. And the world wants to live life its way, its own path, and pursue its own pleasing. And the ultimate problem with that realization is that when I live my life my way instead of God's way, it brings death. So two things happen. I want you to think about that. The repercussions of our choices, the repercussions of sinful choices bring death, and they cause us to implode and explode. Let's talk about implode. That means we self-destruct. Can somebody say addiction? Think about how many lives have self-destructed through addiction. Now, I understand something. I understand Nobody goes into a lifestyle of addiction because they had a wonderful, perfect life. And I understand that there are choices and decisions that other people make that drive people to the point where they choose to medicate themselves through alcohol or drugs. But here's the reality. We choose it. Nobody pours the beer down your throat. Nobody's sticking the needle in your arm. Nobody's making you go to the crack house or the drug house. That's a choice we make. And those sinful choices cause us to implode. We destroy ourselves. Let me talk about something we don't talk about in church. Uh, it's called heart disease. This is an interesting thing. I've been doing a lot of research lately on death and disease in the midst of all this COVID-19 stuff. Heart disease is one of the leading causes of death in America. And guess what? We are eating ourselves to death. We're eating ourselves to death. We don't eat right and we don't exercise. And we are dying by the thousands and the thousands and the thousands because we implode. 
We have self-destructive choices that eat away at us. Lung disease. I buried two grandparents who never, who refused to quit smoking even though they were told over and over and over again, it's killing you, 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 it's killing you. And they kept smoking. Even when they were oxygen, they'd take the oxygen off, go outside to smoke a cigarette and come back in and put the oxygen back on. You want to know why bad things happen to good people? You want to know why there's evil, pain, and suffering in the world even when God is good? It's because we sin. And we make sinful choices that have repercussions that cause us to implode. We destroy ourselves. Let's talk about debt for a minute. The financial stress that debt is putting on us. Guess what? Go look at every loan you've ever taken out. Go look at the name on every credit card. It's not the devil who signed it. It's you. You took out the loan. You swapped the credit card. You made the purchase. You extended yourself financially beyond what you knew you were capable of handling. And then the stress and the weight drives people to suicide, drives people to divorce, drives people to addiction. We implode. Why Why is there evil? If God is good, why so much pain? Because we sin. We live in a world cursed by sin, and then we sin, and we make choices that devastate our own lives. And then let's flip the coin. Not only do we implode, we explode. We bring devastation and destruction to other people. Every time a drunk driver kills somebody, they just exploded. Their choice and their decision impacted somebody else's life. It is so crazy to think about what is happening in our world. Murder, rape, incest, all these things that are taking place in our world today because of sinful choices. Greed, all the stuff that happens when we explode. And our sinful choices hurt other people. Let's let's read Galatians together. I want you to see this with me. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul pins down this beautiful comparison between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And literally what I want you to see there, I want you to recognize that the works of the flesh are a choice. And the fruit of the Spirit is a choice that we make. We get to choose how we will live our lives. We get to choose And Paul lays this out so beautifully. So I want you to listen to this list. And as I'm reading through this list, I want you to think about how the works of the flesh, which are sinful choices and decisions, how they cause us to self-destruct and how they cause us to destroy other people. Look what he says. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Can somebody say divorce? I wonder how many kids have cried themselves to sleep at night. Because somebody in their family committed adultery. Because mom or dad violated the covenant that they made with their spouse. And now their kids are suffering and paying the price. Fornication, which is simply the biblical way of saying sex outside of marriage. I can't tell you how many people Kelly and I have counseled over the years, specifically many times women, who carry around deep inner wounds because of sexual relationships that they had. And they thought it was love 
but on the other side it was just lust. And the guy that they were going to bed with that had promised them their love was actually just being driven by lust, and they walked away with a broken, wounded heart. Look what else he says, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. Let's think about perversion. Let's think about pornography. Let's think about all those things that are destroying ourselves and destroying our nation. How many marriages, how many families, how many hearts have been perverted and corrupted through the lewdness and uncleanness of pornography? Look what else he says. Adultery. How many people have destroyed themselves and destroyed other people because they love things more than they love people? They love money more than they love people. They love possessions more than they love people. They love power more than they love people. Idolatry is anything that you put above God. But you can boil it down to not only that. Idolatry is anything that you place in a greater value, not only above God, but above the people in your life that God's called you to love. Sorcery. The Bible describes sorcery in the Old Testament as rebellion. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Think about how much pain has been caused through rebellion. How many parents of teenagers have cried themselves to sleep at night, wondering where their 16, 17, 18-year-old is because they're not answering their phone, they're not returning their text message, and they were supposed to be home three hours ago, and I don't know where they are or what they're doing or who they're with, and all the worst thoughts in the world runs through the mind of that parent because of rebellion. Think of all the rebellious acts of defiance, crime. Every criminal act many times is an act of rebellion against the law that destroys people's lives. Look what else he says. Hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath. Think about how much pain and chaos has been caused through those things. Through contention and strife and jealousy and envy. I wanting what somebody else has. Outburst of wrath. I wonder how many windows have been broken. I wonder how many holes have had to be patched. I wonder how many trips to the ER have had to be made to mend a broken arm because somebody burst out in anger. And then you go to the ER and now you got to lie to cover up the fact that your family member hurts you. Selfish ambition, dissension, and heresies. Think about it. Think about how we have sacrificed others for our own selfish gain. Think about the dissension, the discord, the strife. Think about the manipulation that people use on one another. And hear me in this. Manipulation not only hurts the other person, it hurts you. Because every time you manipulate somebody, you burn a bridge that may never be rebuilt. I don't know about you guys, this is pretty sober and just reading through it this morning. Envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalry. Envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalry. Envy, think about gossip. Think about murder. Th think about murder in this sense. Not that the sense that the average person is walking around killing somebody. But we kill character, we kill reputations. Social bullying, 
pushing people to a place even where they take their own life. And all the like, the Apostle Paul says, all these things, he says, are bringing death and chaos and confusion. You want to know if God is good, why is there so much pain? Why is there so much hurt? Why is there so much sorrow? Because we sin. There's a curse of sin that brings death, but then we feed into the curse of sin every time we make a decision and a choice that violates the path and plan that God has for us, which is good. Now let's flip the coin. I'm ready for a little lighter note. How about y'all? I'm already feeling the weight out here. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love. Love is a choice. Isn't it good to know we can choose love? We can love people instead of hate people. We can love people instead of be envious of people. We can love people and care for people and be compassionate toward people. And when you read this, look at this, love, joy. Guess what? You can choose joy. Joy, joy is the remedy for overwhelming grief. Joy is the remedy for deep, dark sorrow. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And we can choose joy. We can choose to rejoice by choice because the King of kings and Lord of lords loves us. We can choose joy. We can choose peace. We can be peacemakers instead of strife makers. We can be long-suffering. I was thinking about that just this morning. I thought I should probably show the same amount of patience to others that I desire others to show to me. We can be patient. We don't have to be short-tempered. We don't have to be hot-headed. We can be long-suffering with one another. We can be long-suffering. It's kind of like the old man had talking. He'd been married for 50 years, and somebody asked him, well, what do you think about your marriage? How would you best describe it? He said, well, it's been long-suffering. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not the right definition. God wants us to be patient and kind. That was a bad joke. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Let's just think about this for a second. I want you to think about it with me for just a minute. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. In the midst of all the darkness and pain that's going on, if you'll look for it, you know what you'll see? There's a ton of people out there that are loving people, that are caring for people, that are shining the light in the darkness, that are being kind and gentle and good and compassionate. And you know what I know? You know what I know about the fruit of the Spirit? The works of the flesh, sinful choices and decisions, they magnify and multiply the pain. But you know what the fruit of the Spirit does? You know what? When we choose life instead of death, it minimizes the pain, and it brings life into the darkness. Amen? And we have an opportunity to do that. Let's look at our last point. I want you to see this. So the fourth foundational truth. So number one, there's, number one, we realize God's good. Number two, we recognize that there's a curse of sin over the nation and over the world that brings death. Number three, we recognize that not only is there a curse of sin, but we sin and we multiply the problem. But look at the fourth point. I want you to see this. Fourth foundational truth. This is, this is huge. God is in charge. He's sovereign. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's working all things together for his good, Ephesians chapter 1 says. He's going to accomplish his ultimate plan, and he's going to fulfill his ultimate purpose. God is in charge, but I want you to hear me. The scripture says that Satan is in control 
of our sinful world systems. God's in charge, but Satan is in control of our sinful world system. Do you realize what sin does? Sin gives Satan authority to steal, kill, and destroy. He can only destroy you to the degree that he can deceive you into moving away from God's plan for your life. And when Adam and Eve sinned, their sin gave Satan authority to steal, to kill, and to destroy life. And this morning we recognize God's in charge, but Satan's in control of this sinful world, and we are literally living in a war zone. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know we're children of God, but the whole world is under control. King James is under the sway of the evil one. Why? Because Satan through sin is controlling this world system. I don't know if you haven't recognized it or not, but this world is at war with God. <laughs> there is a demonic assault against anything that is virtuous and holy and good and righteous. You can, you can be, the world tells us we need to be tolerant of everything, but the world is tolerant of everything except for one thing, and that's Christianity. Yes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying, look what he says, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Satan, the devil, is the commander of the power of the unseen world. Look at 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians 6 says, and a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen rule world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. We're at war. And the fourth foundational truth you got to understand, why? If God is good, why all the pain? Why all the heartache? Why all the suffering? There's a curse of sin. People continue to sin. And last but not least, there's a real devil. There's a real devil who is controlling the sinful world systems of this world. And we are living, at, we are living in a world that is at war with God. Satan is the author of pain, suffering, and sorrow. He is a liar, Jesus said, and he is the father of lies. And he has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Let me give you the good news today. Here's the good news. God's good. God's good and he's at war with evil. There's a curse of sin. People continue to sin. And there's a real devil that wants to destroy your life. But here's the good news. Jesus died for you. Jesus died on the cross paid the penalty and bore the punishment for your sin so that John 3.16 says that whosoever will can call on him. And whoever believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will not perish but have everlasting life. See, the good news of the gospel is that we have a good God 
even though we live in a fallen world. We have a good God even though we continue to make sinful choices. We have a good God even though there's a real devil that wants to stomp out your life. But Jesus is a redeemer, he's a savior, and he's the rescuer of our souls. And the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we'll be saved. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you call on me, Jesus said, I will in no way cast you out. See, today there's one hope. His name is Jesus. Stop blaming God. The root of all pain, suffering, and sorrow is sin, selfish, or sinful decisions, and Satan. And the hope is Jesus. So if you're here today and you're listening to me online and you want to pray and accept Christ, I want to just lead you in a very simple prayer today. If you're willing to acknowledge you're a sinner, accept his sacrifice for your sin, and make him Lord of your life, then today you can be saved. So let's pray this prayer together. Very simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. I make you my Lord and my Savior. And I receive today the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. <laughs> welcome to the family of God. There's a link in the description where you can click and let us know you made a decision. We'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to help you. And we'd love to walk beside you in this amazing journey called Christianity. If God's good, why? If God's good, why? There's a curse of sin. Sinners continue to sin, and there's a real devil, but there's a good God who loves you. He died for you, and he now lives in us. And I'm so thankful today that there is no fear in perfect love, and we don't have to be afraid. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.